Hello, folks, and welcome to the Metallica Report. I'm Stefan Shirazi, editor of the band So What magazine. And I'm Renee Richardson, director of philanthropy for Metallica's foundation, all within my hands. This is your official weekly Metallica podcast. We are bringing you all the news from the band's HQ and studios deep in the heart of Northern California. This week, it's all about Power Trip, the gargantuan metal fest happening at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California. It's a matter of days away, and it features Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Judas Priest, Tool, and Metallica. Six huge bands over three days in Indio, which lies in the Coachella Valley, and it means we're going to be talking festival festivities and beyond with Lars and James. And I'm not ashamed to say at all, I love the grown-up nature of Power Trip. Two bands a day that is so freaking civilized, you can still enjoy your leisurely brunch in in Palm Springs. You see where I'm coming from with this. (laughs) I need my creature comfort when I go to a festival. Yes! Can I have some Eggs Benedict before (laughs) my Iron Maiden? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) A bit of avocado toast before Talica? Come on. Yes, of course. And then (laughs) you make your way, you meander over to the the polo grounds, you see some shows, you see two bands a day, and they don't compete with each other, so you're not running amok like you, like these crazy festivals. I don't know. I'm definitely a fan of Power Trip. I wish I would be there with you. I have a friend who's going, and she was telling me all about unpacking her her little package with her wristband and her shuttle pass. And I yeah, haven't got so. my I haven't got my wristband yet. I just want you to know I don't have my pass yet, and I don't know. <laughs> So she's ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Steph, I can't believe I didn't bring this up yet. Lars on SmartList. How cool was that? Uh, that's pretty uh, funny. Yeah, it was very it good. It was really good. And for those who don't know, which is very strange to say because SmartList is the biggest podcast out there right now, it's hosted by actors Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. Anyway, Lars was great on it. I learned a ton and I love all the tennis stuff. Yeah, he's got a deep tennis history, which, uh, as he explains on that episode, ended rather abruptly in Southern California as a kid. But, you know, he's still got some chops. I can tell you he's still got it and he's still better than probably 95 percent of the general public, especially you lot listening out there. (laughs) Trust me, he'd still whip you on a tennis court. Look. Another thing in this, he unleashes some native Danish, which is which is just brilliant. I love hearing him speak Danish because it just sounds so fierce and guttural. You know, it's it's a great language. Uh, I have to say, I'm almost a Danophile. Don't let him know that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, look, check it out. Smartless. It's a lot of fun. It's really good. Now, back to the power trip. I keep on calling it the power trip. It's just power trip. And look, in so many ways, this is, it's a historic and triumphant moment for the music that that we love. All of us, you know, the sort of thing that all kids forming bands dream about. You remember the headliners of a mega gig. James Hetfield has been in pretty nostalgic form recently, I have to say. And I think everybody's been hearing it. He's been really excited about revisiting these memories. And and when I asked him to reflect on the band's festival journey to the likes of Power Trip, he immediately, uh, yeah. Well, look, let's let James tell you himself. And just to be on a freaking poster was like magical. I remember Lars had a poster up in his room, said Diamond Head. And then he wrote Metallica and underneath it, you know, just to be on the poster. 
Uh, but absolutely, you know, certain certain festivals that have been around for, you know, 40 plus years or so that where we were able to play and we've moved our way up the ladder to be headlining these things is always really cool. And I would just imagine if you were a fan and, you know, contributing to that factor where, yeah, I saw them when they opened up for Twisted Sister or whatever it was, (laughs) and now they're headlining or, you know, whatever, Donington opening, you know, first on the bill with ZZ Top. And now, you know, we're where ZZ Top was. And it's pretty fantastic. And yeah, to say that we weren't striving for that or thinking of that as the main goal would be a lie. But it's so much more than just moving your name up the ladder. All of the stuff you've gone through, all of the stuff that we have learned you know, from all of the touring and the places we've been and from the bands that we've played with, they what they've taught us, you know, what the road has taught us, what crew has taught us uh, is it's priceless. You, you, you can't go to school for that stuff. We've been talking about Power Trip coming up this weekend in Indio, California, and the same kind of excitement and appreciation for what Power Trip is and represents sits with Lars. He was at Desert Trip back in 2016, which featured, maybe some of you were there, Bob Dylan, The Stones, Neil Young, Paul McCartney, The Who, Roger Waters. And here you're going to hear as he dives a little deeper into Power Trip as its sibling. The event that I believe Power Trip is based on, it was, a, I think it was 16 uh, when they got the Stones and McCartney and Neil Young and Roger Waters and Dylan and the Who together out of the Coachella site. I was there for the first weekend of that and loved it. Such a great vibe, such a great venue. There's been talk of doing something a hard rock version of that for a few years and it's finally coming to fruition. I'm super proud. I I didn't know if we were going to be invited, uh, but we were. This is such a unique event that we figured that we would definitely not want to not be part of this. And I think not just for Metallica, but more so for the genre, for hard rock, heavy rock, heavy metal, whatever you want to call it, for all these bands to be together and to give the fans and the audience uh, an experience to see these bands together. And now we're part of it. So... That's awesome. I'm psyched. God, man, Lars is just such a total music fan through oh, and through. I think that, that's what I'm learning the most since doing this podcast with you, Steph. Oh, I mean, I have had many a night listening to many a different band with him in cars, in his place. I mean, once he gets going uh, on the tunes, he, he goes everywhere. And he has a palette that is enormous. He really does. It seems to me it's not even just about the music. Like he likes to go to shows and likes to see this stuff live just like the rest of us do. Yeah, yeah. He is. Look, this is why he's the ultimate fan of Metallica, because he is the ultimate music fan. He really is. And he always has been since he was a kid. And we're going to get into this in future pods because it's fascinating, his love of music. When it comes to metal, he is, for me, the premier metallologist, if you will, around. (laughs) He knows everything about everything. I mean, it, I, I, when it comes to metal, it does. I really believe that, and and he really does take seriously his role as almost a spokesperson or a flag bearer for metal. And you know, let well, let's let him explain uh, a little bit more about that. 
I love all the bands. I mean, Guns, ACDC. I mean, to get everybody together for a weekend like this is spectacular. I mean, obviously, as a fan, there's a part of me that wishes it would happen more often. Maybe this is the beginning of, of something, but I, I'm so in awe of this community and I'm so such a, a, a champion of this community. And so anything that puts the community, the hard rock community, the metal community, whatever, any experiences at this level that brings everybody together. I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of that type of stuff. And like I said, I, I just wish it would happen more often, but I understand the practicalities in that. Hey, everybody, we're going to be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. And we're back. But look, i got to go back to this Lars and fandom stuff a little bit. I teased people by saying that, you know, we've hung out at a lot of places and listened to a lot of music together. I mean, Oasis, obviously, we both saw them in 1995 in San Francisco at the Fillmore. But I'll just give you an example. Whenever there's a little bit of Saxon to be shared, after all these years still, I can shoot him a clip of Heavy Metal Thunder by Saxon and just comes right back with like a fuck yeah or like this is awesome. <laughs> Like trade off little music clips here and there. I mean, he 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 loves it. He loves it. And that's what was so great with the Blue Oyster Cult stuff a few weeks ago. I mean, that happens on a regular basis. So yeah, yeah. He 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 loves music. And uh, look, let's get back to Power Trip because I could spend a long time talking about Lars and music, but we don't have the time. But what we do have the time to do is get back into Power Trip. Metallica have a great history with all the bands. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I mean, how many festivals have they done with ACDC over the years? There's loads, right? There's their love and near fieldy to Iron Maiden. I mean, that's been well documented. There have been festivals with Tool and also the, the mighty Judas Priest, as yes. this pod has renamed them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's face it. Metallica and Guns N' Roses, of everyone, probably have the deepest, thickest history of all. Their stadium co-headliner back in 1992... <laughs> 
Well, it, it was a legendary adventure. It really was. And, you know, one of the things that Lars has never been shy about is his appreciation of guns and, and Axel to this day. So I had to ask him, you know, you're going to be in the desert with him and so on. I mean, I wondered if the two might get together and reminisce over a cup of tea. That's the way my <laughs> mind goes. You know, let's see what he thought of that suggestion, shall we? Yeah, I love Axel. And I've seen, I saw guns last time in um, at ACL, uh, I think in 19... 19- Maybe it was 18 or 19. It's great to see them again. I saw Guns at their first Coachella when they reunited in, was it 15 or 16? Maybe it was 16. Uh, flew down just to see them play. I've seen Axel uh, a bunch over the years. Uh, it's always good fun. Uh, it's great. Cup of tea? Yeah, of course. I'm always up for a cup of tea. I, you know, uh, I, it doesn't quite become sort of like, you know, remember in, you know, Buffalo in 92, I don't know if it quite gets to that level, but it's always, um, it's always great to see. Uh, I had dinner with Duff and his wife, Susan, uh, Jess and I did when they were up here maybe a year or two ago. Like, you know, um, I text with Slash. All of it. It's all good. I'm ruining it's a long way to the top <laughs> for all of us. Uh, it's such a such an iconic song. It's just amazing. I mean, I'm, I, I miss it already. It's only I been know. a few weeks since we last heard it. I know. At an N72 show, but it's coming up. Going to hear oh it in a few God. days. That song, Steph, particularly as you referenced the, the past M72 tour dates. I don't know if you felt it the way I did, but it feels like it's even a bigger energy oh, yeah. build than it has been before. Yeah. I don't know if it's because this is post-COVID or what we have going on, but when, you know, in the shows that I've, I've been to on the M72 tour, I get fully caught up in the ACDC lyrics while then thinking about the history of Metallica, how far they've come, how many of us have been part of that climb, and then seeing this crescendo at the, these latest tour dates. The success of 72 seasons kind of plays around my brain and the next generation of fans that I'm looking at. And what I absolutely love to do is just turn around and look all around at everybody as they're the anticipation is building. And specifically for this no repeat weekend tour for me, it was like, what are they going to start with? What are they going to start with? That's all my head went to, you know, upon hearing. It's almost Pavlovian when hearing the song. Yeah, and that's the point. It, it absolutely signals that. It's such an iconic moment for everyone out there in the audience, for you, uh, for me, uh, for everyone who's at an M72 or indeed any Metallica show, uh, mm. because you know that that's when the shit's getting real. You know that the guys are just about to come out, that they're just about to hit the stage. Everyone knows it's on. You know, I'm, I'm the other side of that curtain. That's right. And I'm standing with them watching these very electric moments happen. I mean, it really is like, a, it's like a, a sports team ready to go out and play a game. I mean, right to the point where a couple of the guys will go around and they'll do, you know, high five fist bumps with you know, all of us who are there and we'll say good show, good show, good show. And they're pumping themselves up and they, you know, it's they're bouncing on their heels and they're doing last minute stretches. It really does feel, 
um, very much like they're going out like gladiators yeah. almost to, yeah. to, to, to fucking deliver the punch. That's my perception. That's what I see. We've just talked about what the fans see and feel. I wondered what goes on in Lars's mind at that precise moment. Those four minutes, four and a half minutes, whatever it is, are usually spent like, okay, uh, are my shoelaces tied? And did I do this? And do I have the right shirt on? And what's the distance? You know, there's, there's always this like fear about like, shit, am I going to make it up to the stage in time? Shit, you know, the fucking walk to the stage is it's really far away. It's like you start off and then you see how far away the stage is and you start moving faster. And so there's a lot of stuff in a routine uh, I, and I've talked about my superstitions around this type of stuff. You know, there's like little shit, you know, it's like when I walk out, I have one kind of hat on, but I don't put the hat I'm playing on the show in until right before I walk up the staircase. So it's like all this nonsense about like different hats and all this. It's very routine based. And obviously when you sit and talk about it on a purple couch on a Friday afternoon, it all sounds rather silly, but in the moment, it's just part and parcel of what gets you up on stage and gets you in the, in the right headspace. It's part of sort of like a process and it's also a zone that you get into. So like I said, when you, by the time you hear that song, you know, I've been ramping up to that for over two hours and obviously it's very exciting, but it's just a lot about sort of like, is my pack in my left pocket? You know, did I give so-and-so my phone, you know, walk up on stage with my phone in my right pocket or, you know, it's all that kind of shit. You know, I didn't know about the superstitions. I, I, I also didn't know about all the routines. I mean, yeah. it does all make sense if you think about it. We've we've made this analogy to sports with Metallica before, and Lars is an athlete, as I learned on Smartless, <laughs> so it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, and he couldn't have been more honest about that. He's yeah. absolutely uh, process and routine driven, but whatever he's up to right now, it's fucking working because he is playing i think as well as he's played uh, in the last 20 30 years i i i think that's not hyperbole you look for yourselves when you right. see these shows he's on it right and i'm super glad that you asked the question because now we all have this like full picture of what lars will be doing down in the desert in four days time Brings us to the end of this week's pod. Uh, sorry, folks, I've got to get out of here. i got a flight to catch. I'm super jealous. Uh, and that <laughs> means next week we're going to be looking back at just what went down in the desert. Until then, see, see ya. ya. The Metallica Report is produced by Metallica HQ, Pantheon Media, and PopCult. If you like what we're doing here, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit Metallica.com slash podcast to submit your questions, offer your thoughts, and become a part of this podcast. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.